I gotta play. It's a guy that we both like. There's one that sold for 61 on April 27th. Damn. Free shipping. Hell yeah, man. It's not the obvious guys that win you your league. Oh, I'm on the clock. Oh, no, I got auto-picked. Oh, oh there's one. Oh, you missed your pick. People start going way off the board here. That's a steal, baby. I was clicking the button. This is all messed up now. How do we get so many auto picks? Two, one. Nailed it. Welcome or welcome back to the Football Card Quest, part of the NoOffSeason.com Sports Card Network, 100% dedicated football cards research and selling tips, heading into championship weekend. Just four teams left, Steve, to the big game, man. Uh, how you feeling tonight, brother? Man, feeling good, feeling good. You know, this is kind of like a big week here because we're going to have a week without games. Uh, a lot of buildup for that big Super Bowl game, but uh, I think there's a lot of teams that are left in here that seems like an even distribution amount of people think will go to the Super Bowl here. So I know we'll touch on that a little bit, but I'm excited to also talk about some potential off-season things just a little dabble before we get there yeah i think that those make probably the best plays right now because the guys that are in the super bowl are clearly spiking you also have some other big nfl news happening just in the past 24 hours so we gotta hit on that first man uh, and that is jim harbaugh uh you know, national championship winning college football head coach of michigan now taking the job as head coach of the los angeles chargers and, of course, Justin Herbert actually leads all NFL players in the past 24 hours in terms of buy it now and best offer sold rookie cards. Of course, we're tracking that through our Keep em Web app, through footballcardquest.com, Grow Premium. But Justin Herbert is now uh, number one. Past 24 hours, Steve, 224 buy it now or best offer sold. What's your reaction to the hiring of Jim Harbaugh? Well, he made Alex Smith look like a superstar and not to say anything bad about Alex Smith, but he was a, you know, first round quarterback that never really amounted to his ceiling that people expected of him. And uh, Herbert, who's already shown even greater potential, I think can now have maybe his ceiling raised even just a bit more now. So uh, I was talking to Derek and some of the other guys when the news broke and I was like, man, Herbert is about to go off. And I'm actually shocked that People are already buying that quickly on the news, honestly. So that's great, man, because uh, he should have been a buy. I agree with Thomas in the chat here. What's up, Thomas? He should have been a buy already because uh, his values have been kind of in a lull as that team has not done well uh, this season. So, I mean, his stuff, some of his low-end stuff specifically is down, you know, even 50% in some cases or more. But – um his high-end stuff has dipped a bit but it's definitely not going to now yeah i mean we're looking at uh optic without the rookie auto contenders optic i should say without the rookie auto uh silver prison psa 9 150 dollars uh some pretty impressive i mean so you, you got everything across the board here now selling again for justin herbert which is incredible because wow. This guy's market had totally flatlined and tanked before this. So I got to go over here, take a look. As you can see, guys got 4,108 different rookie cards. We're going to keep an eye on this. We'll go over here 
and look at uh, Justin Herbert's uh, graded market and kind of see what that's doing over the past 180. Let's zoom in here. Obviously, you can see that it's down over the past 180, but man, I have to guess before uh, today, look at that, $105 buy it now today on his base prism. And if you look at the low of that December 15th, that was a $70 buy it now. So yeah, we've seen a nice little 30% increase there on a lot of his cards using the base prism PSA 10 as a uh, kind of the, just the main indicator there because i mean right let's be just be real this is the main card that's bought and sold especially in a psa 10 grade for most players steve i think it's just one of those gold standards cards that's super liquid you look at that 5636 uh different psa 10 justin herbert prism base prisms you know i don't know if this has ever happened to you before but um i'm sure it has if you're stalking the ebay auctions uh there's a card coming up They've been going pretty cheap, but something happens in the news and that guy's demand suddenly goes through the roof, whether he's, you know, oh, he was hurt, but now he's going to be playing or, you know, they said he's out for the year, but now he's not or he gets traded or whatever. I linked you a Herbert that I had been watching for about a week and decided to pull the plug on at the last minute because I was trying to get it at an offseason value and uh, it quickly spiked up. Uh, over the last two days here. So, you know me, Andy, I am a optic preview maniac, and uh, I really uh, was hoping to get this one for a steal, but uh, I think it actually went, it's actually still down, obviously, quite a bit from two years ago, uh, but price-wise, I was looking for more of the off-season bargain, which it, it didn't end up being at this point, but still a good price nonetheless to where it potentially will be in a year or six months. And yeah, I, I think so too. I'm I'm really interested to see how sustained this uh, demand spike is going to be for Justin Herbert. It's just really interesting timing with the playoffs going on. So you already have a lot of hype there. And then obviously Justin Herbert has been a hobby darling, you know, going back to his rookie year. Uh, when I pull up the Los Angeles Chargers, it's really just Herbert that's kind of spiking right now. I'm surprised. There's not more on Keenan Allen, but, you know, he is a uh, 10, 11-year veteran at this point. So he's only had five buy-it-now solds in the past 24 hours. Quentin Johnson, people are still buying him. Are you a Quentin Johnston believer? Have you bought any rookie cards of Quentin Johnston? Nah, man. Uh, you know, if I find the right deal on just about any guy, I know there's a demand for him, so I, I may pick it up. But uh, in reality, you know, the guy that – the team likes and trusts is actually Josh Palmer after Keenan Allen. And you saw that after he got hurt, that passing attack fell apart the same way you saw it fall apart when Austin Eckler was hurt. Um, and interestingly enough, we know a little bit about contract years and how guys tend to even play that much better. They want to get that paycheck. Josh Palmer is in a contract year with a new coach, with a now elevated potentially Justin Herbert, um, I think that that makes for a good play because he's kind of took a little bit of a, you know, shoulder nap here to uh, to Quentin Johnston simply because he's newer to the game. Justin Herbert actually had his largest transaction in the past 90 days happen just two days ago. Uh, and I, I'm sure this has got to be correlated with the 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 news of Jim Harbaugh. 
Um, here you've got his black one of one mosaic rookie auto PSA nine black finite $11,500. This was discounted down from almost $25,000 here, Steve. Man, that's beautiful. Oh man. Look at that cracked ice. Yeah. You know, here's the thing is, um, not everyone and actually very few people can go out and spend a couple thousand dollars on on a card but um when there's an opportunity to buy what is or was a six thousand dollar card and maybe get it for i was going to say three um that's where the real value is because if you double up on an optic base you're talking about a 20 30 dollar gain when the market goes back to where it should be on him but you're talking about a double up on the high-end stuff which people may have been pulling the plug on afraid to lose too much money and uh you know taking a small risk to get into a guy who's not the hot guy right now with a guy that talented you shouldn't be uh that scared in my opinion because here we are they've only just announced who his coach is going to be and already is spiking you know he hasn't played a game with the new coach and you know we don't really know if Eckler's coming back or any of that stuff but people are already ready to throw money at his cards again they really are man and it's it's happening very quick as you can see by this data uh i'm going to show some some love to some of our our guys in the chat here uh where did bush messiah go i still have a hard time saying that three times i mean like that's a tongue twister of a username and i really still don't know where they went uh he said only auto pick andy misses picks i don't know do you think i'm the only one who <laughs> Auto picks from time. I can't be the only one who auto picks from time to time, especially on a 30 second per pick timer. So, uh, well, before we get off the topic of the chargers here, now you got to ask yourself, a coach would probably want to get into a situation where he's got money to play with, can kind of shape the team how he wants to. But Andy, how does a coach go to a team that has minus 44 million cap space? What 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 what's what do you, what would you do? What would the first move you do be? They want to bring Eckler back. How does this happen? People have to get cut. People have to get traded. You got to sign a lot of new rookies out of the draft uh, and replace some of your veteran guys. It's really the only way that that can happen. So how do you make that happen? Yeah, you know Eckler Eckler is an interesting one because he's really good, but he's had a bad season um, off off that uh, high ankle sprain combined with a lackluster just team environment altogether the whole year. And uh, you're right. I mean, he doesn't have the draft capital. I think that they probably want to keep him, obviously, but I think he leaves uh, for a fresh opportunity. You talked about the Chargers. They're in the third worst spot, like you mentioned. Negative cap space of – effective cap space of, what, $45 million <laughs> negative? <laughs> That's insane. I mean, on the other end, you have uh, teams like the Buccaneers and the Bears in the top 10 that have a positive cap space of $45 million that can afford to bring in guys like him. But the Chargers can't afford to do much. Eckler would have to take a very team-friendly, bare-bones type deal. The thing is, they don't have uh, – I, I see Thomas here in the chat is is commenting on how much uh harbaugh likes to run the ball power football yeah he loves to establish the run you know 
Um, and yeah, I'm not convinced that the Chargers are set up to do this at all, especially without Austin Eckler. I mean, so maybe they draft a running back, which could be interesting. I think that's kind of maybe something that's definitely going to be in the Chargers um, draft path. They pick at number six. So I, I don't think that's going to be their pick at number six. Obviously, it's not going to be a quarterback. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the draft. I'm sure there's a lot of deep talent in the second, third round. Could be a rookie rookie watch there for Chargers, Steve. What do you think? Yeah, very likely. Or Oren makes a good case about cutting Mike Williams. I think that's long overdue for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's definitely a start in getting that done. If – and Herbert would have to be a part of this, I'm sure. Quite a bit of restructuring gets done. You know, they are a team that is essentially not far off from what a playoff roster should look like. You know, they just haven't been able to put it all together. They have a great team on offense. They have a great team on defense. I think maybe the coaching's been the biggest problem um, overall. So what if, instead of just casting it into the flames, they do a little restructuring, they get a rookie running back or possibly bring in a guy that's got a couple years left in the tank. Someone like Derrick Henry, they could maybe take a friend team friendly type deal with some backloaded money um, in order to get the team back to uh, ground zero or above. That'd be kind of cool. Cause who wouldn't want to go to a team that now has a power run focus and a championship type uh, coach and a championship type roster. So just some, just some cool, uh, some cool food for thought. I think that that could be a realistic hire. Yeah, I mean, when Harbaugh's got a, a forty-nine and twenty-two uh, NFL record, plus coming off the back of a college football championship, that could definitely uh, sway some decisions from players. You know, wanting to to come play for a potentially winning franchise. So, yeah, that's super interesting storyline, um, and. Uh, Steve, I see that uh, we got uh, Joel Garza in the chat. Shh, quiet, quiet here, Joel. Quiet here, Joel. He's trying to he's trying to remind people that Brees is McCaffrey 2.0 by now. Why still? I I think that's a great play. I get on board with that, Steve. Now, when it comes to uh, McCaffrey and the 49ers, they're now hosting the Lions here in the championship week. Uh, what's your prediction, Steve, for that game? You know, is um, do we have an injury update on uh, Debo Samuel? Is there is there any possible impact that um, that that could offer the line? The Lions are third against the run, so it's going to be strength against strength for the Lions. Whereas their weakness has been their defensive secondary, um, and you have Brandon Ayuk that's been just tearing tearing secondaries up all season, and and George Kittle too, and you got Purdy who. Uh, when they set up the run properly, I mean, do, do you think Purdy's a system quarterback? Do you think he can overcome some of the challenges that may be presented against the Lions? And how do you think this game's going to go down? Oh, uh, well, I guess let's start with uh, the Debo thing. He was a limited participant in practice. So they're making it sound like it's a pain tolerance type thing at the moment. So it's going to kind of come down to whether he thinks he can play or not. Um, the Lions definitely can stop the run. And 
the Lions are like hit or miss in the secondary. They're one of the most burnable secondaries, but they've been known to make some plays at the same time. So I think that you definitely see a lot of pressure on Purdy, uh, maybe an unprecedented amount, and they hope that he can make mistakes uh, in the passing game because he did look a little, sh- uh, a little bit uh, sketchy this past week, and now you have a lot of people questioning if he's the real deal. This isn't the first time. Unfortunately, if a guy has a off game, you shouldn't question his legitimacy. But again, he's only got what maybe a season, just over a season under his belt. So there is still a bit of a finding out who he really is. And I think we're still figuring out who he really is. <laughs> I've been saying it from the beginning. I think the Lions are going to win. I think they're going to play the Chiefs next week. So I think they find a way. CMC uh, will probably still cook. Nobody can really stop that guy. But uh, I think they find a way on defense to make that the great equalizer Hutchinson now coming off of multiple sack games in a row. He's going to find a way to get to the quarterback and uh, maybe this will be the time he forces a turnover and that's the difference maker. Yeah, it'll be interesting. He's still selling a ton of rookie cards. I mean, people are buying in like crazy. Uh, Now in terms of, of the AFC, uh, Ravens look like an unstoppable force right now. I mean, the Texans absolutely met uh, a buzzsaw and CJ Stroud uh, came back down to earth <laughs> last weekend against Baltimore. Uh, do you think that the Chiefs are going to make it back to the big game? I mean, this is a, a clash of the Titans here, man, with the, with the Chiefs and how good their offense is whenever they're dialed in. And it, they definitely got dialed in last week. Uh, what do you, what are you feeling here? Chiefs Ravens, you know, as, as much as we like to, you know, talk a little smack about Mahomes and, you know, the Kelsey fan club and how much we just have a disdain for every time they show them on TV. Uh, there's one thing you can't refute and that's their ability to somehow win a game with or without the help of officiating. So, um, the, as good as the Ravens are, man, I think this is going to be one of those, like, sub three point finishes where somehow some way they managed to pull this off. And a lot of that's going to depend on uh, how good the run game can be against this defense, which is incredible against the run. Uh, And, you know, maybe they actually get the deep ball going because that's been their weakest point all year controlling the middle of the field. They do just fine with Kelsey and, uh, and with their other receivers, but, they by no means stretch the field, and maybe they take some long shots and, and try to change that. But uh, not turning the ball over is going to be a big one here because this is probably one of the best defenses we've seen in multiple years. Get pressure on Mahomes for some turnovers. I think the Ravens can take this one. It's going to be it's going to be probably one of the most anticipated games of the year, and uh, I know a lot of people still constantly hating on the lions i mean there's there's more lions fans out there than than you than you'd think i know there's a lot of uh, niner fans but a lot of these a lot of these lion fans have hid their their shame and their fanhood for the last 30 years as they've been multiple 0 for 16 0 for 17 seasons uh in that span well let's see how we did last week on our on our pickums uh here on underdogfantasy.com promo code quest uh, they're still offering 100% instant deposit bonus to um, to new signups using promo code Quest. So check it out. Uh, let's check out our our pick'em 
Oh man, we we um, we cashed in on the the Christian McCaffrey. No, we Christian McCaffrey missed thirty two point five by oh, man. not by two much, two yards, two and a half yards. All obviously he went off on the ground. Didn't get the Brandon Ayuk touchdown. Oh snap! Uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't get the Jordan Love over Brock Purdy. Although Jordan Love for most of that game was quite efficient. Man, he he looked sharp until the very very end. It was a close game, man. Um, Christian McCaffrey, yeah. So we did get the the Luke Musgrave, and we got we we crushed it on the Aaron Jones prop. So it was close. It's close, man. But uh, yeah, not quite. The the playoffs are a different beast entirely, man. You know the the ball distribution is you know going to be a little bit different, and the game planning is going to be a little bit different. This is when it when it's win or go home. You know, they shake it up a little bit. So not bad. We didn't miss anything by a country mile or anything. You think Mahomes passes over under 240 uh, on Sunday again at Baltimore? I mean, I got to think they're going to be pulling out all the stops. It's hard to really stop like an Andy Reid schemed up uh, offense in the red zone. I got to think that this game is going to go like, a little bit higher scoring. I, I can't imagine that this thing's going to stay low, but it, it it's possible. I mean, it's just these two offenses are so good. I get the Baltimore Ravens defense is great, but man, I just don't see him being able to hold the Kansas City Chiefs to one touchdown. You know, I, I, and and with Isaiah, Pacheco, what's the uh, injury status on Isaiah Pacheco? Uh, I think he's. Um, I know he's banged up. But I think he's going to play, but it may be in a limited role, or he may be impacted uh, by a lower body injury from last week. Uh, let's see here. Did not practice, uh, but he was on the record saying that he will play Sunday. So I think that uh, you'll probably want to see him get a limited at least tomorrow. Uh, but it doesn't seem like the team or him is – in doubt of his status so he'll probably play whether he's 100 percent or not i think uh could be the other question but it looks like he's gonna play i almost like the the uh the rushing line from patrick mahomes and then the other one i would even take two and a half sacks i mean because this game could go one of two ways right i mean it could turn into a shootout you could see mahomes evade quite a bit scramble we could easily see him put up uh, 26 and a half rushing yards, maybe scramble five times. Ravens like to blitz. They got very good front seven. They're bringing a ton of pressure. And, um, you know, two and a half sacks is not that high. I, I think you could, you could hit the over there. And then Lamar Jackson's rushing yards, 65 and a half rushing yards for Lamar Jackson seems pretty tantalizing. I know, uh, he put up over a hundred last week, but I, I got to think he, he's going to do it again. I'm, I'm looking at this comment here from uh, Card Guy Twenty. I mean, I think he hit the nail on the head here. Lamar's got a refuse to lose mentality right now, so he's going to pull out all the stops. I mean, he's going to take off with his wheels, you know, if things aren't open for him. If he's not seeing the first or second read, I think he takes off. I could see the. Um interception or fumble i don't know about a lost fumble but see that oh they don't have an interception line for him that was mahomes never mind but uh, this is the real test because 
everyone's biggest judgment on Lamar has been how he can do in the playoffs because he does not have a good playoff record. It's actually quite bad. Uh, so he's going to have to prove a lot this game to overcome that stigma. We talked about stigmas a few weeks ago and uh, how those seem to stick around even after the facts have been gone regarding that stigma. But, you know, he's two and four in the playoffs and uh, early exit has been his, his biggest problem. So this is going to be a big game for a lot of reasons, not just to go to the Super Bowl, but to kind of change the way people look at him as far as being able to get it done when it matters the most uh, outside of the regular season. So, yeah, I think there could be some, maybe some turnovers. I think there'll actually be turnovers on both sides. So I think that they're going to put way too much pressure on, on Mahomes. And he's not always going to make that 360, you know, shovel pass and make it work. There'll probably be some turnovers on both sides. So I'd be cool with like the Mahomes interception and, um, like you said, the sacks taken or the fumbles lost even for uh, for Lamar. Our man Oren, the uh, Anthony Richardson truther in the house, uh, says, what if Joe Thune doesn't play? And I think as of right now, it looks like he's not going to play. That's the Chiefs all-pro guard. Uh, that's a big impact to the interior offensive line for Patrick Mahomes, which could lead to some really, really quick heat in his face. Uh, so now I am more tempted to take this uh, two and a half sacks prop from Patrick Mahomes as one of the props for him yeah. and then take the rushing yards for Lamar. Uh, how, how are we feeling yeah, no, that those seem agreeable, honestly. Avoid Pacheco. We hit six receptions. I think Rashi Rice continues to get peppered in this game. You know, obviously they're gonna they're gonna be targeting the main threat of Travis Kelsey. They're gonna be scheming to stop him at all times. But I think Rashi Rice is definitely gonna get hit with uh, quite a few targets, and I like this uh, six reception line for Rashi Rice, whether it's. The receptions, the targets, he's really emerged. Whoa, we got a big super chat here from Where Did Bush and Messiah Go? Put out the Amber Alert. He said, uh, I'm just paying up for the lost revenue considering I chased Bush and Messiah away. Don't really blame them. If I talked that much smack and couldn't back it up, I would disappear too. Better luck next year, fellas. So I think what he's uh, Im implying here is that Bush and Messiah uh, have disappeared themselves. They haven't been kidnapped, which maybe that means that they'll come back one day. But, um, yeah, the, the search continues. Uh, we really appreciate this, this donation to the stream. This definitely does help make up for the lost revenue from all the, the clicks and uh, comments we were getting from Bush and Messiah. So... Thank you. Appreciate thank you for that. that. Oh, let's see. Uh, All right. Get, getting back to it, man. Um, oh, you know, not an injury, but um, might as well be an injury. Uh, Kadarius Tony will be active. Uh, if there was a prop that he would assist in an interception or turnover <laughs> – <laughs> I, I would take it in two seconds. It seems like that's the only reason they bring him in is to uh, facilitate turnovers. 
That's where Messiah's been. He's been hanging out with Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony. They've been studying game footage. Uh, so watch, watch him come out and have a career day, though. That, that would be something. You think, yeah, you, maybe you never know. Any three? Um, are you going to grab some lines from a different game, or trying to stay all within the same game there? Well, I'm going to grab some lines for that game. One thing I did want to talk about tonight, uh, Steve, as we as we go through the stream, and maybe we'll clip this section out, but I now want to segue into uh, talking to more about plays upcoming, free agency, draft hype cycle. You know, those are two really big windows. We talked a little bit about the negative cap space that the Chargers have, in, uh, and it's, it's very interesting to see what's going on with Herbert's market right now. Uh, in, in terms of quarterbacks, you know, when it comes to the fa the fantasy stats that really matter to try and predict future quarterback breakouts, that's tough, man. Like you can look at completion percentage. You can look at the uh, pass attempt uh, to complete a pass. Like just basically look at their efficiency metrics, their deep ball. Like deep balls make good highlights, right, Steve? Athletic profiles, quarterbacks that can scramble as well as have a high throw velocity. So we know that throw velocity is one of those that I think um, correlate well over to a, a good highlight per se and a good player. Um, but when it comes to quarterback, Steve, I feel like it's really hard to predict the future breakout because so much of a quarterback success, especially in the hobby, is tied to their win-loss record and and tied to how young they are and like how unknown they are as, as well. And, and then you combine that with the scarcity of their rookie cards um, and the average price point that they're at, at when they do have that spike, whatever the event is that causes it. Um, you know, those are some of the factors I think of. It's, it's a very hard market to pinpoint, but wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, um, they're a lot more predictive. And we have some really good fantasy stats that, we know we can look at to to predict a future breakout but um before we leave on uh, leave off of quarterbacks steve what what's your what's your take on fantasy stats that matter most with quarterbacks and kind of predicting future quarterback breakouts uh i mean turnover ratios i think a pretty big one you know people talk a lot about you know how many touchdowns they had people talk a lot about how many yards they had but the, the turnover discussion isn't as prevalent. Uh, anytime you see a guy throw a pick or multiple picks, uh, there's always like a negative stigma that comes with that. So much, in fact, that guys that are not turnover prone that maybe were at one point, a lot of guys still have that affixation to their name, uh, which is unfortunate. And then I think the other is if you learn anything from the Lions, if you learn anything from uh, the Eagles, from the Niners, is to the way to build an offense to build an efficient quarterback is to build an efficient o-line and uh, o-line play is going to be a major predictor of that quarterback's success not the only predictor but a major predictor yeah i think that's a good one especially when you look at uh, quarterbacks that are less mobile right so i guess uh, maybe offensive line is not you know, it's not the biggest thing for guys like Lamar Jackson, but it is huge when you look at a guy like Jared Goff, because anytime Jared Goff has been under pressure, and he's not been protected well, he's been bad. So if the offensive line wasn't top five heading into the year, 
I would have never been advocating and buying into Jared Goff. I don't think he would have done well. Just like putting Tom Brady behind a bad offensive line. He's not going to do well. But behind a good offensive line, all of a sudden these guys get the protection they need and they're throwing like crazy, man, at a high rate of efficiency, which converts into a ton of completions. And yes, and yes, win-loss record, which is huge for quarterbacks. I mean, go back to the beginning of this year, just like the year before and the year before that, the quarterback that gets off to that 3-0 and start, like this year it was Tua, um, you know, they go up massive. They go up 100% in rookie card value. It's all everybody's talking about. They're the early candidate out of the gate for MVP consideration. Remember, we, we said the same thing about Sam Howell, and it and it happened with him at the beginning of the season too, especially with Eric Bieniemy coming in, dialed up a ton of pass attempts. They had easy matchups, and he got a couple wins right out of the gate, and people were like, let's go, you know, and his card spiked up, and only to come way back down, just like uh, Tua's did as well. Um, so, yeah, I think offensive line is, uh, is certainly important as well. As, um, I want to look at... Yeah, final final 2023 offensive line rankings right here. Eagles were still number one, even though I know they dealt with some injuries. Detroit Lions, number two. The Colts, number three. Gardner do Minshew. A, do you have a visual for us? Are you just reading it up? Yeah, I can I can share oh, the visual. I'm, just, I'm go. going down their, their rankings uh, from Pro Football Focus. Uh, number four, Atlanta Falcons. This is huge, man, because they're getting a top pick this next year in the NFL draft. Atlanta Falcons are where they're picking at uh, th- nine. Where they're picking before that, though, right? Or no, they're picking at nine. So they got number nine locked in right here. Uh, first, second, third, two fourths, a fifth, and two sixths. I got to think Atlanta Falcons are going with a quarterback here especially after how bad Desmond Ritter played, benching, firing of Arthur Smith. I mean, we're we're looking at, uh, with a new head coach, a very likely situation where the Atlanta Falcons upgrade at quarterback, and they have a solid offensive line. Bijan's a rookie. Steve, I would love to buy into Bijan Robinson. He's tough to buy into because he is a rookie and his cards are still being released. He got all the new sets coming out, so it's like just – New product type, man. It's it's hard to get into, um, even even so. But he is cheaper than Jameer Gibbs now, which that was never the case at the beginning of the season. Uh, so I would like to get into Jameer uh, Bijan, but you can certainly get into Drake London, Kyle Pitts, who could benefit big time from a quarterback upgrade and a uh, uh, a good offensive line. It's interesting uh, because the parallel between the Falcons and the Lions is actually pretty similar. The only difference is a lack of a quarterback. You have like a 1A, 1B running back situation. You have a really good alpha wide receiver. You have a most likely, we still don't know, but most likely a top in the league tight end, top five, at least has the potential to be. And one of the best O-lines and a very good young defense. So, man, you better believe that they're either going QB or they're trying to sign one in free agency or through trade, which could be Justin Fields, if we're being honest. Um, and that would be insane if that happens. So one of the uh, 
one of the one of the the metrics that we like to look at when it comes to wide receivers and running backs after looking at their athletic profile because of course that's important right steve how explosive are they how fast can they run like that i think as at a base is like okay now we've got an interesting block of clay here can that be molded into something that could be uh, a superstar like a, a really nice vase in the nfl right and and so you start looking at these running backs now from athletic profile well uh, steve i think we go into snaps how often are they on the field they got to be on the field to get opportunities and then so we look at their snap share and if they're they're getting a snap share like how often are they getting the opportunity when the ball is handed off how often are they getting those handoffs when the ball is thrown how often are they running routes so routes run for running back is important because we want to know uh how much the coaching staff feels that they trust this player out in space to potentially get those checkdowns or to get some of those intermediate short passes and and then you look at their efficiency like when they did get the ball how many yards per touch did they create what was their juke rate you know how many breakaway runs did they have those are the runs over 15 yards and obviously look at christian mccaffrey i mean he's by far and away the best running back in the league this year uh he hits checks all those boxes man he's arguably number one in all those boxes so uh those from a running back perspective is there any other um fantasy stats that you like to look at to try and uh try and predict a future breakout at the running back position yeah, I think you mentioned uh, juke rate. So, like, uh, I, I forget what the metric's called, but when they force a missed tackle, I think that's juke rate, uh, if that's what's referred to on the stat sheet. And actually, an interesting guy that's a free agent is J.K. Dobbins, because before he got hurt uh, both years, uh, he was actually very high on that sheet, maybe top five even. Um, and he'll be a free, uh, free agent this year. Now, granted, that comes with a lot of risk, but – um, that also means that there could be a bargain on a guy that could be one of the best running backs on the league. Uh, I think that you hate to say it, but you've seen it with some of the smaller guys this year. Uh, Pollard, for example, when they tried to push him into like a primary role when he should probably be like maybe a two-third share guy at the most or 50. Mm -hmm. uh, you actually seen his, his uh, work uh, production level go down. And that's something that you got to worry about for the players, not only success now, but longevity in the league. I mean, this, the smaller guys, uh, they just take a little bit harder of a beating and uh, it takes a little bit of a toll on their career. So, and you got to have that same concern with, I hate to say it, but Tank Dell, you know, you saw Tank Dell going for a block and just get crushed, you know, on a play that he shouldn't have been in there uh, anyway, but that's the reality of it. Yes, yeah, so as you can see, Tony Pollard's efficiency from 2022 dropped over a 1.2 yards per carry in efficiency. That's a massive drop. So if we come down here and look at some of his efficiency metrics, it's not really popping in any of them. He didn't even scratch the, the uh, top 10 on breakaway runs. And Christian McCaffrey had 20. So he had nine more than Tony Pollard. And Tony Pollard got, if if you're looking at the uh, the data, he ran more uh, snaps than Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he also got um, uh, his his overall snap share was less. Uh, so Christian McCaffrey ran a higher uh, percentage of the snaps for his offense. 
but his his red zone snaps were higher. Uh, his red zone snap share over eighty percent. So I mean, and he ran. Uh, he was on the, the field for more pass snaps. So in terms of sheer opportunity, he was higher. But then you look at the efficiency, and he didn't execute. I th- I think you could go back and look at his college profile. And like, yeah, he's explosive. He's pretty fast. Although he didn't test great here. Uh, you can see that in his college metrics, but he didn't have the college dominator. I mean, 15th percentile at Memphis, and I know he shared the backfield with some other good running backs there. So it um, maybe he didn't quite have the have the opportunity to, but uh, still, I mean, he was a, a fourth round draft pick. I think for that reason, he was never really designed to be a bell cow running back like i think christian mccaffrey Bijan robinson we saw rashad white do it this year pretty good what was rashad white's efficiency steve uh (laughs) 3.6 even worse than even worse than uh tony pollard yeah but you know what as as the season went on andy that if, if there was a way to track that number progressively i think that it got better as the season went on because his play clearly clearly got better mm-hmm. as the season went on. So I think that uh, you, you see that number go up yet again uh, next year. So yards created, that's an interesting one because those are all yards created by the running back after the initial contact at the line of scrimmage. It's actually ranked number two, and I'm not sure if that's a metric of the, the sheer volume that he got uh, or – if Rashad White did actually pick it up, I, I do like visually. I saw him, you know, pick it up big time throughout the season. I was way more impressed with him at the end of the season than I was at the beginning or even coming into the season. And, uh, you know, with all the cap space that the Buccaneers have, I mean, looking at the cap space here, the Buccaneers here in the top 10 cap space 47.1 million dollars available in cap space with virtually no dead money you got to think they invest in the offensive line uh some of this offseason invest in a little maybe the defensive secondary uh so it's a really tragedy that just today we lost dave canales our offensive coordinator who i freaking loved he was the former uh quarterbacks coach for geno smith the year before when geno uh, made his his career resurgence this year. He's our offensive coordinator. Baker Mayfield has a career season, and now he's going to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And I'm like, oh man, dude, That's- I'm not happy about that. Division rivals. I I really was liking Dave Canales as our OC because Todd Bowles can't call an offense. And now what are we going to do, man? This is not good. So I was like excited about all these things. And then I just remembered that Dave Canales, like right before we came on air, I got the tweet that Dave Canales is is, is being hired as the new Panthers head coach. Oh, brutal. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, that's that's a bummer, especially after, uh, you know, an unexpected offensive surge as the season went on and uh, unexpected success level out of Baker. We saw those preseason tapes. We saw them. We showed them on, on stream. It, it looked pretty bad. And whatever they did to fix it, pretty impressive. And I think that 
he he achieved or overachieved, and he's definitely going to earn himself a, a payday this season coming up. So, um, but that that makes you wonder if that hurts uh, Mike Evans's chances of coming back. If he's going to maybe want to come back uh, with maybe a whole new offense. Yeah, yeah. Um, real quick, let me uh, let me shout out Valcorp Photography Thomas for the super chat here. Really appreciate that, brother. Uh, let me see what he said here in his comment. Uh, what's up, guys? Big fan. I've learned so much from all of you. First year collecting cards, and you've been a huge help. Man, glad we could uh, glad we could be a help and get you uh, back into the hobby, man. That's awesome. Glad to have you here. Uh, so, Van. Van Ward says, I heard all the noise about Bijan, but is he actually any good? So, yeah, that's a great question. Let's let's pull up Bijan here. I think he was actually, in fact, really good. Uh, if we look at his athletic profile, he has all the makings of a, of a bell cow running back in the league. Um, you can see the speed, the explosiveness. You see the college domination. I mean, just absolutely dominant. Um, and then we go down here, and let's look. 4.6 yards per carry. He was totally misused, Steve. I mean, there was just times where it was egregious and the decision-making from both Arthur Smith and then the execution from Desmond Ritter, just terrible, man. Uh, and I, I think there was so many times where Bijan Robinson made these like eye-popping highlight plays, one-handed catches behind his back or, you know, stutter step, cut moves where – he just makes like two or three defenders like fall over each other like a cartoon. And it's just, I mean, he looks like the best uh, playmaker in the uh, short area of the field on that team. It's crazy how many good weapons they have between him, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, add in Johnny Smith, who is used a lot. I've always liked Johnny Smith too, because he's just absolutely yoked. Um, it's fast too for a tight end. So, yeah, I mean, look at this. I mean, number one in routes run, number three in target share. That's pretty crazy, man. And and they ran a lot. We know Arthur Smith loves to run the ball. Uh, I think his targets stay the same next year. And he put up 10 breakaway runs, even though if you look at his opportunity share, he ranked 31st. So he really just didn't get enough opportunities. He was 19th in carries. He could have got a, a ton more carries. He could have got more carries in the red zone. Only 31 red zone touches, Steve. So I look at his efficiency on, on a much smaller sample size than Rashad White. He's, in fact, much better. <laughs> so here, do, do me a solid. Pull up. We, we're looking at his 2023 numbers. Pull up Tyler Algier 2022 numbers. And I want to sh I want to make a point, uh, not comparing them necessarily, but showing that I think they're actually going to both be better next year than this year with the right coach so let's let's look at the 2022 uh stats if those are on there all right 4.9 yards per uh, carry on now that is impressive man i think people quickly forget if, if tyler algier was a number one uh first round draft pick for example there'd be a lot more hype around him still despite the down year and well they ran the ball the most out of any team in the league number one run plays per game so right. that that definitely helped him, but like look look at the evaded tackles, the juke rate. I mean, nothing's like eye popping in in terms of like if efficiency or breakaway rate. You know what I what I will give him is that he was he's solid, like he's solid, right? 
because you also see a stacked front carry rate. Like he ran against a stacked front a lot of times because they were expecting <laughs> the Falcons to run. I the was going to get you know? at that next. So yeah. it, I watched a couple of videos on this and when Algier was on the field, they loaded the box. They loaded the box. When Bijan was on the field, they spread the box back anticipating a likely pass play. Um, so that's part of the part of that problem is coaching because if it's that transparent that you're going to pass or run based on the personnel out there, if obviously that has a lot to do with it, but if it's that transparent, then you're not doing your job right. Because if you're not mixing the play calling up, um, then you're pulling the, uh, the old adage of the bears. It's, you know, two runs up the gut and then a pass. Like you're not fooling anybody doing that. So clearly in a, it's not a small sample size. He had 4.9 yards of carry the year before being the bell cow, he, I don't think he suddenly got worse. I think that his usage got worse. And I think Bijan's usage is worse than it should be because these guys are not being used to their strengths. And I think that with a new coach, you actually see that happen. Yeah, I I really think it's, uh, I mean, with as good as Bijan is and with the money they've got invested in him, It'll be interesting to see who they bring in at quarterback and who they bring in um, for coaching. Uh, but I, I got to think that Bijan only goes up from here. And he's definitely going to be a guy that I'll be interested in trying to pick up some cards uh, for for 2024. But And in, in this is running back. So now let's move on to wide receivers and let's talk about you know some of the best fantasy metrics uh, to look at for wide receivers. Steve. So once again, it starts with snaps, but then with wide receivers, it really comes down to, and, and as much as their athletic profile is cool, I think that's better for running backs. When I look at a wide receiver, I'm like, how well can they separate? Like, yeah, it's, it's great that they have the 99th percentile speed score, but if they can't get open, what good is it? Is you, If you can't get open, then you can't command targets. And Steve, I think a lot of times we see people in the hobby, they're so reactive to wide receivers scoring touchdowns and they want to buy into the players scoring touchdowns. But in fact, I think it's the guys that are getting all the targets and getting open all the time that are the guys they should target because the touchdowns will surely follow, right? You know, I think an underrated thing, and you saw that with uh, with Amon Ra and, uh, and I, I would say even Alave a little bit, like, they're a little bit more grinderish, where they're going to make those tough catches in the middle of the field and and move the chains and move the chains and move the chains. You know, not every guy is going to be the downfield stretcher and get 40, 50, 60 yard touchdowns a couple times a year. It's just not it's not in the cards for everybody. Uh, but each guy has a different way of creating the same amount of, of success through different uh, different means of doing that. So while putting up the exact same or similar numbers. You could see that there between uh, a handful of these guys. Yeah, it's egregious, man. So a perfect example. Look at two players here, Garrett Wilson and Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Amon Ross St. Brown finished the year as a top three fantasy wide receiver. He's got rookie ticket autos upwards of $100 right now. Granted, he's in the championship game. He's still playing at a super high level, but... He uh, he's he's been doing this all season long. Uh, big difference there in offensive line. Talked about it. Quarterback efficiency. Talked about that. 
And Amon Ra St. Brown runs a, a variety of routes, runs a lot of uh, routes out of the slot. Uh, he gets open a lot. He's a good separator. And I think he's definitely grown this year. If you look at the charting data from reception perception on his route tree um, and on his route win rates, they've been really good. But I think what's important to point out here is that he's had the same target share, the same percentage of targets, total targets from his team as Garrett Wilson. And Garrett Wilson has had the same amount of total targets as well, which tells you that the, that Garrett Wilson is also the alpha wide receiver for his team, but he just didn't get the same quality of targets as um, Amon Ross St. Brown and therefore didn't get the same receiving yardage, didn't get the same amount of touchdowns. As you can see, he only got three touchdowns this past year, and therefore he was thir uh, wide receiver number 32. And therefore, if you look at his rookie card values, they're down 50 to 100% in so many cases. I mean, the guy had, which is another, this is another one of my favorite um, Mark fantasy stats to look at that matters most is air yards. Because if you don't know what air yards are for everybody out there, I know Steve does, but it's the distance of all intended uh, targets. So basically, you can look at targets and target share, but you can also look at air yards and unrealized air yards. So basically, what unrealized air yards are telling you is that he could have put up 1,700 receiving yards had he got quality targets from his quarterback, but he didn't. And therefore, he only put up 1,000 and three touchdowns when really he should have put up 1,700 and probably 10 or 11 touchdowns. Right, Steve? So... And then we'd be looking at a totally different rookie card picture for Garrett Wilson. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, the, the lack of the, the gap between the air yards and actual yards, a lot of that comes from overthrown passes or incompletions thrown his way. So, you know, quality of quarterback is going to be a, a massive measurement in closing those two numbers. And, uh, you know, looks like Rodgers will be back, presumably, uh, this year. So that's a massive, massive upgrade. Hopefully they can get that that old line together. I know the running game just kind of came back to form, so that's going to help quite a bit. But, um, you know, Garrett Wilson, hobby darling last year, and uh, not forgotten about, but definitely can be had at a discount uh, right now. So uh, I see Joel's taking advantage of the, uh, the market inefficiency on uh, on his cards right now so yeah man that's that's definitely a good buy i agree yeah yeah and and so that's how we we find those guys and it's so it it uh happened to be garrett wilson because he's a really like easy one he jumps out on the page he checks so many boxes right the jets all uh rookie offensive rookie of the year uh going back to 2022 you know just the un unfortunate circumstances around rogers uh early season achilles tear and all that so uh, Garrett Wilson is like an easy bounce back candidate for 2024, a guy that should have put up a ton more numbers, but it's, I wanted to highlight the actual fantasy stats because they're, you know, most of, um, you go to NFL.com, right? They're, they're not so much concerned about these advanced fantasy metrics, like air yards and unrealized air yards and target share and stuff like that. It's more about storylines and just overall stats, right? The overall stats uh, are from like just 
receiving receiving yards, receptions, touchdowns, uh, you know, all pro selections, Pro Bowl selections. That's what gets you into the Hall of Fame, you know. Um, so it's not, you know, the, the only real like market niche that gets down into the nitty gritty and predicting future breakouts at the wide receiver and running back position are the fantasy markets you know it's it's the fantasy gurus it's the fantasy nerds like us that really want to dig into this data to understand who is the alpha on each team and then from there we can take a step back and say okay this team's got this draft capital they've got this much cap space they they're changing this coach this offseason now we can start to put these pieces together and paint a uh, a picture on if that player is going to potentially break out in 2024 and it may happen before that right i mean like we're seeing with uh herbert today i mean we we, we could have been buying into her we could have been buying into herbert the past couple weeks because of, of the coaching uh change I and mean, we knew they fired brandon staley we didn't know they were going to hire harbaugh that's the best case scenario right yeah. not every team can hire harbaugh harbaugh's gone so it's like you know the panthers hiring dave canales I don't think Bryce Young's cards are going to go up a whole lot, even though they may, in retrospect, they should, because Bryce Young may have a way better um, uh, 2024 now that they've got Dave Canales because of how well Dave Canales has called an offense for Baker Mayfield and before that, Geno Smith. And, and you look at that trend and what Dave Canales has been able to do, he's been promoted each year. This is big, man. I think this can have a big impact for Bryce Young next year. And, and sure, may, they're going to have a super easy schedule to start the season. Uh, you look at their you look at their cap space, the Falcons, excuse me, the Panthers, 28.5 million in cap space. Uh, so right in the middle of the pack. We know they're not going to be drafting a quarterback here. Let's look at the uh, Panthers draft capital real quick. Well, while you're pulling that up, I I was looking at the uh, the comments. Valcorp said, "Talk about Nico," and uh, you know you were talking about all these advanced metrics, air yards, yada yada yada. Plus, obviously, a little bit of the eye test if you're actually watching the games yourself. But these things matter, right? Not just for fantasy football, but predicting card values. Uh, I remember during one of our lives saying, "Andy, I think we need to take a look at Nico Collins, a guy that I mean you could have got for pennies on the dollar that." Uh, only is going up even to this week while that team's been eliminated. So getting in way ahead and taking a close look at some of these, uh, you know, off-grid metrics that aren't just on the stat sheet are pretty important. Very important, man. Uh, so Panthers don't have first-round pick. I just remember that. They traded that to the Bears. Uh, you guys got that pick. And they traded a couple other picks, too. Uh, their, their picks at this point are going to be second they were gonna they are gonna get a second early second uh third fourth fifth but my point is if you look at the the real alpha wide receiver on that team seems to be uh jonathan mingo yeah you could say adam thielen but adam thielen's uh how old i mean yeah he's solid but if i was gonna buy into a guy that's got like a an available market to really buy into it's not adam thielen Maybe it's DJ Shark, but he's a guy that's just a journeyman at this point, has suffered a ton of lower body injuries, that's super hit or miss, not consistent at all. I'd be buying into John Domingo. I'd be buying into Bryce Young, John Domingo stacks offseason. 
I think that's going to be a great stack to own in terms of rookie cards heading into 2024. Dave Canales. Um, that's exciting. So that's something to pay attention to. And then, um, yeah, uh, the guys were talking about, um, the actual stats for Chris Olave this year were fantastic. I mean, he's a guy that led the league in air yards. I mean, I'm going to, I'll go back to it real quick, but, um, you know, speaking, it, speaking of Thielen, um, Thielen's at his age, still a great receiver, but get the man some help please, because he can still put massive numbers up, but you can't just rely on one guy. You know, you need an outside guy, you know, that can stretch the field, that's going to help open up the middle of the field. You can't just have him, and you can't have that level of QB play and expect any of those receivers to be mega efficient. Yeah, it's true. It's true, uh, especially with the play design that they had. So clear alphas for their team. Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams for the Raiders, Keenan Allen for the Chargers, Michael Pittman for the Colts. We also uh, mentioned them as having that top offensive line. Uh, he's a beast. He was a guy who was definitely been on for a while. Amon Ross, St. Brown, uh, A.J. Brown, which is very close with Devonta Smith, but A.J. Brown, just, he's an absolute monster. Then you got Garrett Wilson, C.D. Lamb, Stephon Diggs, who I think is getting real dusty, Steve. I mean... He looked real dusty last week, man. They definitely didn't look his way after the couple early drops in that game. So, you know, if you look back two years in a row, though, there is a, a trend with him, and that's that he starts the season incredibly hot. I mean, looking like there's not anyone on his level. But as the season goes on, you can kind of just see it tickering downward and, uh, you know, really hit the bottom as the playoffs came. And there's Chris Olave. You know what, what's interesting to me here is that the only two guys from the same team, Cooper Cup and Puga Nakua, on this top 10 list for target share, both of these guys have over a 25% target share for one team, for one quarterback. That's Matthew Stafford. I think it says more about Matthew Stafford than it does these two guys. I'm just saying I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away from these guys. I know we touched on it before, but... In terms of, uh, you know, a quarterback propelling his wide receivers to success, I can't think of a much better one than Matthew Stafford, man. Puka's a special talent, man. Uh, not not many people can catch the ball and just drag linebackers, safeties, whatever, and still run for 40 yards. He's not, he doesn't have the breakaway speed. He doesn't have uh, the crazy college metrics that some of these other guys have, but uh, he makes up for it in a lot of other ways. But most of these teams only have one alpha. You know, they have one guy that can uh, demand over a, you know, 23, 24% target share. And, uh, or even, I guess we could probably draw the line you around. Say, you could make that argument for the Vikings, though. You can make that. Yeah, argument. you got TJ Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson. I mean, yeah, Kirk, Kirk Cousins is a guy that reminds me a lot of Matt Stafford. I mean, Kirk Cousins doesn't have like the no look throws. But, I mean, he's a gunslinger, dude, and he's got such great uh, pocket awareness and ability to hang in there, take hits, uh, and throw some really good passes. So, And look at look at Baker. I mean, this is what's got to get people excited about uh, Bryce Young and Dave Canales now next year is look at Mike Evans and Chris Godwin 
over 23% target share. Mike Evans, another monster year. Over, look at them, both of them, uh, almost 200. And what do you, what do you have? A combined 266 targets between those two guys. I mean, that's it's, it's insane, man. That's really exciting for the um, the Panthers next year because I don't think their their defense is that great. They're going to have some holes there. Obviously, they don't have a ton of cap space. So uh, Dave Canales coming in. They're going to see what they got in Bryce Young, and I think you're going to see a, a lot of different offensive schemes cooked up. And hopefully, Jonathan Mingo can be good. I see Derek here saying he thinks Jonathan Mingo sucks. Uh, I, I got to think that he's better than Quentin Johnson. And he did have a pretty high target share last year, a uh, pretty high air yard share when I was looking at the analytics. I feel like, um, you know, after Thielen, every other receiver on that team is like pretty much the same. There, there's not like a guy that is very different from the next. Uh, they've drafted like the same – type of receiver and even when they traded for LaVisca Chenault you've got like a bunch of bigger bodied receivers that can make plays but um, they've kind of not they've disappointed at the pro level I just want Mingo to work so bad man look at the look at the 2023 class rank I mean look at the, all the green across the board for his athleticism score college rankings I mean Early second round draft capital. I know that uh, Terrace Marshall's been more or less a bust. I had to go and study Mingo's reception perception profile to see uh, what his route tree looked like, what his success rate looked like, how often was he getting open. But uh, when I was studying this, look at this. I mean, he had um, a ton of unrealized air yards. And I think you kind of, if you do clear the way, with Adam Thielen, obviously you you saw from looking at Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, I think that there there's could be enough passing volume in this offense under Dave Canales that uh, Bryce Young could actually feed two uh, relevant wide receivers if he can actually get back to like uh, his college level of efficiency. Well, you've got you know Thielen, which would be Godwin. Yeah. And then you need a Mike Evans, which they don't have yet. I know I've seen it in the chat. I've seen it in a lot of other places, unfortunately, about the T. Higgins rumor uh, to Carolina. Yeah. Please, I really hope that doesn't happen. And actually, I, I keep hearing that they're going to franchise tag him, which could be true. Um, hard to say at this point yet. But I know that he wants to stay. They want him to stay. But it's a matter of making the money work. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, man, I think, think that – if they can find a way to keep him long-term, that's that's best for his long-term success. But probably deep down, there's a part of him that wants to be the guy on, on a team, you know? Yeah, card guy. Terrace Marshall's uh he's he's a bust, man. Um oof, Bush Bush and Messiah uh Hunter said QJ greater than Mingo. Oh no, that's not good. Not good yeah. coming from him. Uh not good. That's kind of scary. So maybe they are in the market. Free agency. Mike Evans, I swear to God, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll throw this computer across the room if Mike Evans signs with the Panthers. I don't think he would do that. I don't. I do not think he would, he would ever do that. But 
Mike Evans is a top wide receiver hitting free agency this year. I got to think that the Bucks figure out a way to, to, to get him a new contract. The guy's obviously still a complete stud. Uh, either that or he's going to go sign with the Chiefs or the Chargers or something, maybe. I don't know. Um, wherever, wherever he goes, Andy, I hope it's somewhere where he can thrive and continue to play well. Not yeah. a, a dumpster fire somewhere. T. Higgins, I think, leaves. I think T. Higgins is getting paid. I don't think you know uh, franchise tech is going to work on uh, T. Higgins. Just my per- my personal opinion. Now, so T. Higgins. Wait a minute. So so I'm pulling I'm pulling up T. Higgins right now, but um. <laughs> Van saying Evans to Chicago, two years, fifty million. Ew, Chicago. <laughs> oh, Andy, with that poor guy, with DJ Moore. I mean, they've got a clear alpha that demands twenty six, twenty eight, probably thirty percent targets. If 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 you'll give it to him, he's always open. You know, I he's think, like Jamar Chase. I think if I think if they make that kind of move for Evans. They probably go and find a more pass happy, pass friendly QB. This would be a fire play. Before I say what's up to our man uh, Matt from Jets Crazy eighty seven, this this play gets me excited, man, just because of how exciting CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans have been this year. I would continue to uh, hold my Mike Evans collection if this were the case. Because I think that could be really exciting next year for Mike Evans. Uh, but at the same time, that would make a pretty crowded room with Nico Collins and then Tank Dell, um, who commanded a ton of targets this year as a rookie, who is so I know, versatile. I know a lot of people that think um, that Henry will go to the Eagles or Cowboys. That Those have been the two most common team names I've heard. I really hope he doesn't go to the NFL graveyard that is the Titans. No, they'll they'll be they'll be fine, but I'm I'm really interested to see what the Titans do this offseason at quarterback position. If they're gonna obviously Ryan Tannehill's hitting free agency, and I'm not sure that they're convinced Will Levis is that guy, although the offensive line was really bad. I mean, look at the offensive line rankings and where the Titans were at. They're probably dead last, dude. Let me see. They're so yeah, bad they're not even ranked with there. Kingsbury. They did interview him. Um, I don't think they're going to sign Cliff. Cliff Kingsbury's a terrible coach. No, I, I honestly think it was more of a intel gathering on Caleb Williams than an actual uh, coaching inquiry. It is good to see you, Matt. What's up, man? Jets crazy 87 in the house. Uh, we we just hit a segment earlier talking about your Jets and the value on uh, that can be had on Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. So I'm sure you've been stocking up uh, your collection. But um, yeah, man. So so we hit on the we hit on our Super Bowl takes, championship weekend takes. Put in a pick 'em slip. Uh, we hit on the fantasy metrics that matter most when it comes to predicting future breakouts at the wide receiver tight end running back position uh we talked about quarterbacks that's a very tricky market um we hit a little bit on 
uh, free agency. And we're going to be talking a lot over the coming weeks, guys, about uh, free agency, the draft uh, capital that these teams have, where they're picking, what picks they have, what their needs are, their uh, salary cap space, and then obviously the coaching changes and how that can impact. And uh, we'll be going through each team. It's kind of like how we did on one or two teams tonight, Steve. Um, any any parting shots before we get out of here, my friend? Oof, did we finish that slip? Did you submit that? Already? I did. I only had three picks on there, uh, but I did submit it, man. I did. Okay. Right. Now, if you want to put in another slip, I'm totally down. All right, we got we got one more super chat here, so we got to hit that up. Uh, Crucial case says Bears hired OC from the Seahawks. True, the man that resurrected Geno Smith. So that is a notable signing. Let's see. No talk about the real ones. Tyreek Jamar. I'm twisted now. Steelers fan with Chargers season tickets and lover of all football teams. Uh, yeah, I mean we really just mostly touched on, uh, you know, pending free agents uh, and, and that, and some of the guys that are still around in the playoffs, but I will, I will touch on Tyreek a little bit. So Tyreek is owed a lot of money. Tyreek also claims that he may retire when his contract is over, which is in two years. So, um, and if you pull up what Tyreek Hill is owed over the next two years, um, there is a chance, depending on the rest of the Miami Dolphins roster, that he is not a Miami Dolphin after this season. So that leads me to believe that having to pay both Tua and Tyreek Hill, that they are going to look at next season as a win now, must-win season, because uh, they may need to have a new game plan after that if it doesn't work out, because they're going to have to decide on uh, a last season uh, out of Tyreek's contract, which is over $50 million, I believe. And also consider signing Tua to what's going to be a very expensive contract. And uh, I think we think that he's the QB for them. I know that there's still some people that don't, though. Yeah, Joel's saying uh, he's got a noodle arm move from him. Tua, not the guy. You know, I'll say this. This is what concerns me about Tua. And the reason why I will not be investing in him this offseason is because I Profited on him this past season. Uh, did did really well in two at the beginning of September, and also they just mutually parted ways with Vic Fangio, their defensive coordinator. There's several um, notable star defensive players on their team that are already very unhappy about this move, and I don't think their defense is going to be as good next year as it was this year. I think this was their year, and they couldn't get it done. I don't think Miami gets it done for a few more years. I see the Patriots getting better next year. I see the Bills still being really good, you know, and the Jets getting a lot better. I think potentially looking at the Jets taking this division down next year. And um uh, I don't know, man. I don't I don't think Miami's I don't think Miami's gonna do as good as they did this year. So for that reason, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have to get out on Tua. I mean, I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not gonna get in. I already got out on him, but I don't think I'm gonna get back in, even though his prices have gone down pretty low. I think I'm still in. I've seen enough to to still be in. Uh, you know, they had a lot of injuries uh, throughout the middle to late season, which you know handicapped them quite a bit. But I think all the questions about Tua's health should at least be gone 
at this point. Um, the defense is reasonably good. The offense is obviously exceptional. And they now have one of the most exciting young running backs in the league and uh, one of the best elder statesmen running back in the league. Uh, so I, I, they're still they're still built to win now. Uh, they just need to not get injured down the stretch. What do they have, four or five starting defenders hurt at the end of the season, Andy? Yeah, like, the defense was decimated. If, if they were in the playoffs now and those guys weren't hurt, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I know. It was bad luck. They ran into the weather – all the hurt defensive players, you know, it was uh, bad luck. But, you know, sometimes things that happen that way. And I just think that was their window. So I think as much as I think it it's it looks smart to go back to them, I don't think I will just for those reasons. Also, I think Miami's got a little bit smaller fan base than I think a lot of people th- realize. You know, when you look at Miami, it's like, oh, this huge metropolitan city. It's a massive city. Millions of people living there. You know, uh, iconic city. Everybody knows uh, Miami and South Beach all over the world. But I don't think they have nearly as big of a market as the Dallas Cowboys, or New England Patriots, Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the 49ers, you know, all these other teams. I think Miami's got like the same fan base as like closer to uh, maybe the Buccaneers, maybe a little bit more than the Buccaneers. But you see what I'm saying? You know, they're probably like more in that range. It's, it's reasonably big, but we, we had this kind of conversation last week or the week before where people that live in that area either recently have moved there or in the last 30 years have moved there. I've, I've been down there. I've, I've had a business down there. That area is a lot of New Yorkers. It's a lot of East Coast people. In fact, when I went down there last there, uh, this year last time for playoff football, the Bills uh, fans were overwhelming in the area the bills fans were there were more bills fans there than there were dolphins fans <laughs> to watch these games and that was against the dolphins nonetheless so that should tell you something the the new york presence very heavy down there so i'm not mm-hmm. saying that it's not a big market obviously the dallas market's a bigger market than the houston texans market right you know that doesn't take away from the fact that it's not uh sizable enough there's obviously uh enough it's deceiving because there's a lot of snowbirds there that are buying rookie cards for their first and foremost for their guys up in the north, you know, for their teams all over the country. But the Miami, the actual true Miami Dolphins fans and collectors that'll buy Tua and Tyreek and these guys, no matter what, are it's the the population of those guys are a lot smaller than I think what a lot of people may realize. So I think it's important to, to highlight that. So I love that insight, Steve. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's the same thing like the Tampa Bay Rays, right? They're a newer MLB team as far as like the last twenty-ish years. Uh, people from Tampa generally, not a lot of people are Tampa natives. There's there's going to be more over time, obviously, but a lot of Tampa fans are Yankee fans, right? First, or they're Cub fans first because that's where they grew up. So it, you have the same thing with Miami. And uh, and even with teams like the Bills, you have tons of Bills fans, but you got way more Giants fans, and you got way more Jets fans. It's it's just the nature of the beast. So, uh, I love the chat tonight, man. Chat is lit. Uh, Joel said, "Chubb, Chubb taking his helmet off cost me his fantasy buy." Henry scores on that drive. Uh, I think I missed a, maybe a little conversation up there earlier. Um, James and Van agree with you. Van's also saying the same thing about Phoenix. 
uh, Arizona Cardinals. Bandwagon sure. fans, no real diehards. Um, Card Guy says more Alabama fans buying Tua than Miami van Miami fans. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's just true. I mean, Phoenix is another area where a lot of Midwest people move there in the past, you know, fifteen years or so. Shane says no likely love tonight. I got tons of likely love. I was actually talking about uh, buying him last week. I I called him out before the divisional game. We did really well there. We I saw his card spike on eBay. And uh, I'm curious to see where he's at now on a platform like uh, COMC. I think I, Isaiah Likely is an absolute stud. Obviously, uh, Lamar Jackson uh, is is got a chemistry with him, and uh, Mark Andrews is not 100% healthy. So I really like Isaiah Likely. I like him in this matchup, in fact, man. And, uh, yeah, I think – I mean, that's another angle you could take skill position players on prop bets, and you can correlate that with um, his rookie cards. Shane said he sold 10 cards this week of Isaiah Likely. Nice. You know, Andy, have you heard anything about a potential Kelsey retirement after this year? Yes. I know that that's yes. a popular topic. I, I've heard that too. And if he does retire, his card values flatline and go down. So regardless if he stays with Taylor Swift, uh, I think I think we see it where you know upon the announcement there's a massive spike, but within like 48 hours or so that nose dives down. You know, yeah, before it goes. Yeah. So, but but here's a couple, you know, galaxy brain type plays. Noah Gray would be the first fill in potentially unless they draft or sign somebody. Um, he did only fill in really from one week, and he did pretty good two weeks maybe. And uh, the other, this is the galaxy brain part, uh, going back to the Isaiah Likely thing. I think he played well enough that maybe there's a chance Baltimore doesn't keep Mark and, uh, Andrews anymore. Move move on from him, and a team like KC could come along and try to sign him up. You never know. Man, that would be huge. I mean, that would. I mean, he'd be easily the number one tight yeah, I mean, Isaiah Likely's cards have gone up quite a bit, quite a bit here, Steve. So, I, and I don't think you have to be forced to sell him. I don't think he's a guy you want to push to an auction, like try and be forced to sell. Like I would maybe say that about, uh, you know, Jared Goff or uh, maybe a Justice Hill for the Ravens or uh, maybe a Dalvin Cook or something, you know, uh, potentially if he gets a snap, you know, uh, I don't know. But, um, those are guys, the older guys like that, I'd be looking to sell. I feel like Isaiah Likely is is an up and coming player that I'd be just happy to hold, um, unless I'm making like a three four x profit on him this weekend. You know, but I'm looking at some a significant increase here in the values of his cards. Yeah, he's he fits into the good play, good hold category, so don't feel obligated to fire sale. Uh, just because, you know, it's the playoffs or whatever. But, you know, I would recommend more of a buy it now, uh, you know, format where you can try to get your asking price rather than just, you know, what they say, taking what the market gives you. Taking what the market gives you would be really good on, like, Lamar right now, MVP candidate. 
would be really good on CJ Stroud right now, despite mm -hmm. the fact that they're knocked out. His cards are still, you know, one of the most sought after on the market. Uh, tight ends, obviously, there's a little bit of a less demand for the position, but we say this every year, Andy, the demand for it grows and grows and grows as its role in the offense grows. It does. And the other thing about Isaiah Likely that I like is he's only got 1,700 different rookie cards. Um, so just to, to be totally clear so everybody understands what I'm saying is 1,700. Uh, that's the, the total number of parallels, base photo variations, the, the number of different sets he's been printed in, the number of inserts. That's the total different number of rookie cards he has. A lot of those all have their own print run. You know, some of those are one of ones. Sure. Some of those are one of ones. Some of those are one of one printing plates. Uh, yes, they'll have one of those for each set. Some sets have multiple one of ones. A guy like Isaiah Likely probably only has one one of one um, in a lot of sets. And if you just for comparison, you can get this information from tcdb.com or tradingcarddatabase.com. For comparison, for a 2022 rookie, we talked about Garrett Wilson earlier, right, Steve? Mm -hmm. uh, let's see how many different rookie cards does he have. How many How many do you think Garrett Wilson has? Over 3,000, probably. Almost 6,000. <laughs> 5,895. Brees saw is 5,613. Wow. So That's when you compare that, and then, he's, and, and then you see Isaiah Likely's got 1,700, that's why it's a much easier for the average rookie card value to go up quicker on Isaiah Likely than it is for Brees Hall or Garrett Wilson. Now, of course, the demand's a lot higher for those guys, so it's not a you know exact one-to-one -one comparison. Uh, but, for example, you go back to 2005, Aaron Rodgers, only 517 different rookie cards, so you can see how the numbers have grown. 1700 that's about what jared goff has from 2016 as the number one overall pick so you Damn. can see how the hobby has grown since then and now like kenny pickett from 2022 7,000 uh different rookie cards steve so i think it's important they to, print. when you mention those numbers too it's, it's also important to mention that the number of buyers gone up has gone up exponentially too so like that, that there is a correlation. But anytime we talk about this same topic, we always highlight those specific rookie years uh, simply because there is such less of a print run on those. Not only is there less cards available, but there's less base cards printed um, then than now by a, a significant margin. Yeah, it really is. So a uh, ton of fun tonight. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, Steve. Um, empower men this week has been a, a grind for me, but I'm still, I'm still burning the body fat, man. I'm still working on my diet, still exercising guys. They keep me accountable, man. I didn't feel like doing it this week. It's been rough. My wife has been sick. I've been taking care of the kids as well as keeping up with everything else at, at work and, uh, here on the quest and everything. Uh, but you know, I got to go to their, their, uh, a call every week. And they're gonna ask me if I did anything, if I said I was gonna, if I did what I what I committed to, and I don't want to be that guy that that shows up and didn't do anything. So they keep me accountable, and because of that, I've lost now forty three pounds, forty three pounds, and I do feel a lot better. Like I've actually been able to keep up. I think I might have had a 
probably I, pr I probably would have passed out this week from everything that i've been doing but i've got a lot more energy now so shout out to empowerment we've got a special link in the description if you do want to join uh the transformation program that i'm a part of and um you know whether it's health fitness financial goals that you want to achieve they will guide you and keep you accountable in getting there so check that out and then we are officially sponsored by cgc cards part of nooffseason.com cgc card grading another official sponsor of the quest uh they have grading submission fees as low as 12 dollars. i mean crystal clear optics in their plastic you know backed by the largest coin and paper grading company in the world steve i think what they're doing is phenomenal and i'm excited to see where we go with them in 2024 and we literally just signed the paperwork on that last week so it's brand new uh, I don't even have like an official like thing I'm supposed to read. I just I, <laughs> I, I like talking about and and researching uh, different grading companies and what they can bring to the market. And I love the fact that they are backed by such strong, um, you know, stakeholders and everything. You know, it's it's they've got a are, great company. Are they still the um, the verification company for eBay, I believe? Yeah, they're one of the verification companies. I believe eBay uses CGC and PSA, depending on where you order from. And this probably there's probably a few criteria. Probably guys in the chat could probably educate us a little bit better than, than I know off the top of my head. But I believe they use both of them. And you know what's cool is anyone that's been in this hobby for any amount of time, whether it was from when you were a kid to now, you've probably been to the store, the hobby store, You've seen comics, you've seen cards, you've seen coins. The shop I had growing up had all three. And guess who grades all of these? The same company. And you've been seeing them unknowingly your whole life. And uh, here they are now with uh, an updated slab and uh, a quality product, which I mean, that, that's a milestone, Andy. That's a big deal for the channel, man. Yeah, we'll be taking a tour of their headquarters in like another month. We'll probably be doing, um, we're definitely going to be at the National in Cleveland this year with the nooffseason.com, uh, a.k.a. Sports Card Strategy. If you've seen Paul Hickey, on his channel Wednesday. Um, we'll be there with him. We'll be doing a couple appearances. He's coming down in, in another month or so. We'll be going to the CGC and uh, doing some interviews and filming some videos and stuff. And um, we'll see we'll see where this takes us. But we got a really busy offseason, guys, so make sure you're subscribed. We're going to be doing all kinds of deep dives. Um, we're going to be looking at, you know, we're going to be looking at trying to pinpoint print runs of ultra-modern cards at the best short print inserts and parallels to targets. We're going to be diving into every single NFL team because, hey, we're focused on football cards. That's all we do here. I don't have to worry about a bazillion basketball games, baseball games, huh? I got 32 teams. I got about 500 players in the NFL. And each one of those players has a ton of different rookie cards. We got our work cut out for us, but we got the tools and we got the the passion uh, to, to dig in there and uh, really dissect it for you guys and share all the information with you. So I yeah. hope you uh, buckle up for a fun offseason. And, and if you're new here, just because the football season ended means nothing. We are banging it out. Every day, just about every week, me and Andy's shows on the same night. Andy and Carter's show keeps going. You know, 
touch-ins with Paul and, and those guys will be happening periodically. And, uh, you know, and then the featured content for the uh, subscribers continues to come as well, too. So nothing changes. In fact, I think we actually get more active, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, because we're no longer be focusing on the week-to-week -week slate. Uh, our, our, uh, we'll have extra space in our brain for, you know, all the other good stuff. And we can really plan out everything and, and dig into a lot more of the nuances within the sports card market as well. And don't forget early best ball drafting. Best party. Oh yeah. Early best ball drafting and, and the draft party. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that, man. Uh, yeah, buddy. All right, guys. Uh, have a good weekend. Uh, good luck this weekend in your championship uh, games, whoever you're rooting for, whoever you're betting on, <laughs> uh, whoever you've got rookie cards listed for. Good luck. We will see you next time. Peace.